in Northern California. And uh, he and his wife have since uh, moved to Texas about four or five years ago. And uh, he's on a trip, a speaking tour that he's there with his brother there in Arizona. And then we'll go on up to California and visit old friends and family that are still there in Northern California. Uh, then we have wonderful Jen Botta from South Africa. Jen, how about just waving? Yes, she's in Centurion, South Africa. So she's eight hours ahead of us. So it's great to have her in on this wonderful call. Uh, Janet had the wonderful opportunity of really investing into Jen Botta, who in turn has invested into countless leaders in South Africa. And Jen had pastored three churches in South Africa. And now is just a, a really dramatic servant. We just love you. And, and we're so grateful that you're on the, on the call, Jen. And then we've got Tonikin, Mama Tonikin. Uh, she was part of our congregation in Jerusalem, part of our congregation in Haifa. We sent her out from Haifa to Mozambique, of where she served for 26 or 27 years. How many years? 20. Now you're still 23 20. in Mozambique and seven in Israel. So also 30 years serving the Lord overseas. Man, it's such an honor to have uh, these longtime friends with us today. Thank you. Like, it's an honor to be with you. All right. I want you to uh, all mute yourself if you would kindly do that. And I want you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, as you got in the uh, in the Zoom invite, uh, we're going to be looking at the significance of some of the signs that Jesus pointed to when he said the sign of Jonah is going to be prevalent, and especially in the last days. So we want to uh, take a look at this. In Matthew chapter 16, I want to start by just reading verses 1 through 4. Matthew 16 one through four. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him, they asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And Jesus answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And and in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. You hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. So the Pharisees and Sadducees had come up to Jesus. They're testing him by asking him a question. Show us a sign of your authenticity, that what you're doing is really from God. And I love how Jesus responds in verse 4. He says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and the only sign that will be given is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and went away. Wow. Friends, that answer is packed with prophetic significance. So for the next few weeks, Janet and I are gonna be focusing and looking to unpack uh, pearls of insight and revelation and looking at this book. 
this book of Jonah. And with the Lord's help, we're going to see some signs within this book that will speak to us today. So right there where you are, I'd ask you to just lay hands on your Bible. Uh, if you can, lay both hands on your Bible. Just, just take your Bible and lay hands on it. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Lord God of heaven and earth, uh, you are the word. In Jesus, you are the word made flesh. And you're still dwelling among us. Lord, we pray that you take these written words and make them come alive to us today. We pray that your word would become the word of life. Have deep and rich meaning and understanding for us today. Lord, we pray that um, you would teach us wonderful things out of your word, out of your law. And Lord, thank you that you referenced this one book. And Lord, it is not an accident that of all the books of the Bible on the most sacred day of the year to the Jewish people on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the book of Jonah, all four chapters are read in synagogues across the globe. So Lord, would you open up the eyes of our hearts to see wonderful things, marvelous things, yes, convicting things and encouraging things out of your word so that our lives might radiate more glory to you and about you among all those that we live among. Grant this almighty God to the glory and to the majesty of Jesus. That's our prayer today, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you, now let's, let's go to the book of Jonah. Let's go to the book of Jonah. And I want to start by just looking at the first two verses. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, I love how Jonah, he's the son of Amitai, which means truthfulness. Amitai comes from the root word emet, which means truth. Here is a man that is born out of a man, born from a man whose name is truthfulness. So Jonah, this man was given also a powerful name, Yonah in Hebrew, which simply means dove, or messenger. So Jonah was sent by God as a messenger to Nineveh, the global superpower in its day. And it was the most famous city throughout that time period. And the city was huge. We read in Jonah chapter 3, verse 3, that it took three full days to walk across it. That's a huge city. Day and night, just walking the breath of the city. And Jonah's message was very simple. Turn to God and repent from your wickedness and be saved. Or experience the fullness of God's judgment. 
Now today in the precious church of Jesus, we hear a lot about salvation. But we don't hear much about God's judgments. But Jesus preached about salvation and about judgment. And this is a fact. In all four of the Gospels, Jesus only mentioned the word salvation twice. Twice. In all four of the Gospels. But Jesus mentioned the word judgment 28 times. Hmm. 14 times more than salvation, Jesus mentions judgment. And when Jesus returns to the earth in the second coming, he will come bringing judgment and justice to the entire earth. And he's not coming as a baby bringing salvation. Instead, he's returning as the one and only supreme Lord and king of the universe, and not just this planet. He is Lord of all, and that's the majesty in which he will return. You know, years ago, while living in Israel and studying the book of Jonah, I found a very interesting thing about Nineveh. Nineveh, in the ancient Assyrian language, the meaning of its name in ancient Assyrian means success, success. And Nineveh was the pinnacle of worldly status all throughout the Assyrian Empire. So Jonah, God's messenger, was called by God to deliver a hard message to Nineveh, the successful city. And Jonah, the dove, and, and the messenger, found it difficult to preach a hard word. And it's, it wasn't popular in his day to preach about God's impending judgment, just as it's not popular today. And obviously, Jonah did not want to preach this message. So he tried to run from God. <laughs> but God's calling never left him, even in his willful resistance and disobedience. I love how Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Because once you are called by God, you are called for life. Let's look to verse 3. Verse 3 says, When Jonah went to Tarshish and he went there to flee the presence of the Lord. All right, we see Jonah gets on a boat that's headed toward Tarshish. And Tarshish was also a famous city in those days, and it was, it was most known for its high quality of silver and gold that it produced. And since silver and gold, or gold come out of quarried stone, Tarshish throughout that era was referred to as the region of the stone. Or we could say the hard or stony place. So Jonah was headed to Tarshish in disobedience. And his heart was hardened as he ran from God's calling. 
Friends, every time we run from obedience, we are on our way to the region of the stone within our hearts. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. So now we see that Jonah's rebellion resulted in a great storm coming upon him and those with him. Now I want you to see this. It's very important. It was the Lord who caused this storm, not the devil. In my years in serving the Lord and serving his people, I have known many believers that are very quick to attribute to the devil the bad things that happened to them. In this day, more than ever before, we need a gift of the Spirit that's called discerning of spirits. What spirit is behind this? What spirit is saying this? What spirit is happening here? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the human spirit? Or is it an evil spirit? Sometimes we are at the root of the trouble of why a storm comes. We need to have discerning of spirits to know where is this trouble coming from? Because sometimes it's an evil attack. Real evil is attacking us, our situation, members of our family. Sometimes it may come from others. And sometimes, yes, it's our own fault. But sometimes it may come from our loving, caring Father. But when God sends a storm, I see two significant purposes that God has in sending a storm, a heavy tempest, a wind that comes and blows against our lives. The first purpose I see is that the storm is meant to draw God's people to himself. First and foremost, God wants us to himself. Or he's calling us back to himself because we've been in an area of some disobedience. So the first purpose is God calling us to himself or back to himself because of disobedience. The second reason that I see is that God wants to call his people back to their calling. And I want you to really hear this today. The storms that are sent by God always have a redemptive purpose always. So be encouraged today. There is a holy redemptive purpose in the storms that you and I go through. Let's look to verse 5. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid. This all the men that were on the ship. They were terrified. Every man was crying out to his God. 
And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea just to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. He was at the bottom of the hull. And he lay down and was fast asleep. Wow. Now let's get a picture of what was happening. The men on the boat are terrified. I'm sure that the, these were probably... Even though it's the Mediterranean Sea, there were probably waves that they had never seen before. Coming over the bow, coming over the stern. I mean, they were being engulfed. They had never seen a storm like this before. And each of them are crying out to their own God. Listen, when people are desperate, there are no atheists in foxholes. And no atheists in a time when you're just about ready to die. They're crying for help. So where was Jonah? the messenger of God, the man of God. Was he interceding on his knees to Almighty God for help? No, not at all. He had sheltered himself in the safest place on the ship, away from everyone else. And he was fast asleep. Staggering. How he could be in a sleeping situation with such horror. But you know, in a way, Jesus was too. It was in the midst of a horrific story that the disciples thought they were going to die. And Jesus was fast asleep. However, the reason Jesus was fast asleep and the reason why Jonah was fast asleep are entirely different. Look at verse 6 now. Look at verse 6. Here we have a situation where people are about to die. They're screaming, crying out, they're terrified. The prophet is in the most secure place in the ship and he's sound asleep. And now the captain is looking all over for him. Finally, the captain finds Jonah and he comes to him. And here's what he says. How is it that you are sleeping? Wake up and call upon your God. All right, let's stir our imagination. Here the ship is rocking. It's taking on water. Who knows how big the ship was, but everyone on it is terrified. The captain's looking everywhere for Jonah. Somehow he feels led to go to this one guy that came aboard back at Jaffa. He finally finds him in the safest place on board. He immediately wakes him up and commands him to start praying. First thing, wake up, call upon your God. This is, this is probably a pagan captain. Call upon your God. Now, who found him? Who woke him up? The captain. The captain. I want you to keep your finger there in Jonah, and I want you to flip the pages to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. I believe it's not a coincidence that a captain was involved in the ship. And we see this mentioned again in Hebrews. Hebrews, chapter 2, verse, verses 9 and 10. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. <clears throat> for it was fitting for him, 
for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through faith. Now, Jesus is called here the captain of our salvation. Interesting that the term captain is used. If it would have been me, I would have written the Lord of hosts is their salvation. But he did not list our general or our colonel or our major in a military aspect of rank, but captain. And why captain? I remember pondering this 35, 40 years ago, living in Israel, how it just, it stirred me, that word captain. And the Lord started showing me and spoke to my heart, and this is what he shared. The captain is a term that was used for Jesus because it's the highest ranking officer that's in the battlefield foxholes with the men. The general is not in the foxholes. Neither is the colonel, neither is the major, but the captain is. It's the highest ranking officer that's in the foxholes of the battle right with the men. Let that sink in. Aren't you grateful for our captain who is with us in the trenches of the storms and the battles that we face in this life? He's right there with us. He's not behind safe lines. He's right there with us every step of the action. And our captain is trying to wake up his servants today just like the pagan captain did in the days of Jonah. But our captain is calling his sons and daughters to come out of our place of sleep and out of our place of comfort. And what is he calling us to? The most basic, simple thing. Call on your God. That's what he's calling us to. The captain did that to Jonah. No sign's going to be given except Jonah. And a captain spoke to Jonah, call on your God. <laughs> and listen to what this pagan captain then says to Jonah. In the second half of verse 6, he says, perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Why are we concerned so little about the lost around us today? Why are we so comfortable? Why are we so prayerless in crying out for their souls? You know, one of our chief duties as God's people, as God's messengers, is to call out to him for the salvation of those who are perishing. We must call upon God for the lost. 
without Jesus, people are going to be eternally lost without any hope. And friends, I believe the Lord's wanting to show us a sign of Jonah. That's a sign in the church today. We like our comfort. We've gone to sleep when we need to be interceding. And yet the Lord is wanting to remind us that our obedience or our disobedience will always affect other people while it affects us. The captain knew that Jonah's sleep and Jonah's disobedience, that if he would have waked up and called upon God, perhaps they would not perish. Our obedience or disobedience to God will always affect other people while it affects us. And Jonah confirms this truth in verse 12. He says, for I know that on account of me, on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. God has a holy call upon each one of us. And included in that call is the call to prayer. Is the call to share the good news of Jesus, of his salvation is the call to go and make divine investments and make disciples to reproduce the kingdom life in others that he's so richly entrusted to us. So we're called to pray, to share the good news, and to make disciples. They're the three great commissions that Jesus gave his church. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he send forth labors and pray for the lost. Go and pray. Preach the gospel to every creature. Share our testimony, witness, and make disciples of all the nations. You know, if we're not actively engaged in obeying these commands, regardless of our age, you know, in the kingdom, there is no retirement. There is simple refiring. We are getting refired not retired. The world says you can retire. The Lord says, let me refire you. Let me rekindle the embers of passion and zeal. If we're not actively engaged in obeying these commands, we've strayed from the Lord's call upon our lives. And too easily how do we retreat to a safe place, just like Jonah, to get to a place that's comfortable and secure. The bottom line truth is that God is not willing that anyone should perish. He wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and only him. 2 Peter 3, 9. So the bottom line is simply this. Can you hear the voice of our captain today? He's saying out loud, how is it that you are asleep? Arise, 
and call upon your God. Per perhaps your God will consider them so that they may not perish. I want to give you four takeaways from the first six verses in this incredible book, the book of Jonah. The first takeaway is that God has a call upon each one of us that is irrevocable. Once we are called, we are called forever. Number two, disobedience to God will cause you to move toward the region of the stone in your heart. Our heart becomes hard because we've been disobedient. The third takeaway, God sometimes sends unwanted and uncomfortable circumstances, a storm. But he always, always, always has a redemptive purpose in mind. He's got a plan that's much higher than the chaos that we see. And number four, our obedience or disobedience to God will affect us and it will also affect other people. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today for your written word of God. Lord, thank you that the story of Jonah wasn't just given orally down through the centuries and the ages and millennium. Lord, it is written. Thank you that it is the written word of God. Thank you that because it is written and because it is inspired, it is the word of truth for us today. And Jesus, the truth makes us free and it sets us free. The truth wakes us up. The truth keeps us awake. And Lord, I pray that the truth that's there within this incredible book of Jonah, the one book, the one thing that Jesus pointed to when they asked for a sign, Jesus said, here it is. It's all in there. And Lord, Every year in synagogues around the world on Yom Kippur, this book is read as the sign. And yet, Lord, the heart cannot hear the revelation that's in here unless the heart of Jesus is fully present. Jesus, thank you that you can make your word come alive. Thank you that Jonah, the messenger, the dove, the gentle dove, even though he had a very hard word and had a struggle delivering it, Lord, there's so many things about this man that we can relate to today. He was born out of a man named Truthfulness. And thank you that we are born again by the Spirit of Truth. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us to really realize the calling that's on our life, that we not move toward the region of the stone, 
and that you do send storms, but there's a redemptive purpose in each one. And that when we're either obedient or disobedient, other people will be affected, not only us. So Lord, I pray that great grace could come upon each of us today, throughout the rest of this weekend, that we could become sons and daughters in whom you are well pleased. Teach us the lessons of life that will make your life more abundant within each of us who are called by your name. And we ask this to the glory of God and for the glory of God expressed in Jesus, your son, our Lord, our everything. Amen.